Welcome to the Emmaus Fellowship Teaching Podcast. We trust you find this encouraging. Emmaus Fellowship is located at 205 North Pine Street in Woodland Park, Colorado. Our phone number is 719-687-6061. We trust you find this encouraging as you pour over God's Word with us. In a song, taught me how to sing. Now I have brothers and sisters, gave me a family. Okay, well, I absolutely love following Brian Finnamore. I'm always so encouraged, and I have some thoughts that I would like to just continue with um, that Brian shared with us last week. And, you know, what Brian brought to us was a teaching on prayer. And specifically, he talked about the difference between just making your requests known to God, like speaking out what you want God to do or what you would like circumstances to be in your life, but actually drawing from a parable of the persistent woman coming before the judge, Brian shared with us that the words there, as they are more accurately translated, has to do with a meeting with the Lord, as though you're entering into a prayer circle. And it. I think Brian actually said the term, unless you are encountering the presence of the Lord, you're not actually praying in the context of what is being described here in this parable. You come into a space where you encounter the presence of the Lord, and in that place of relationship, you share your heart as your heart is being informed by the heart of Jesus. So there's this relational dynamic that's happening where your prayers are actually being influenced by the presence of Jesus. I guess we could draw from the, the, the scripture that says, in our weakness, when we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit intercedes through us, sometimes with groanings that words cannot express. So there is a, a depth to this place that Brian shared with us is a place of prayer that's described in that parable. And I would absolutely love to jump into that a little deeper, you know, because part of that parable had to do with persistence and part of that had to do with just coming into like the season that God has for us, right? And so with that, I'd like to share a little bit about how to become more and more attuned attuned to the presence of the Lord. Um, and that word attunement has, has more to do with um, like the subtle nuances of like communication. Like if you think about a mother who is attuned to their newborn child, the mother is attuned to not only like the sounds of the child, like once the child has reached a point where it is like crying or in distress, uh, then there's obviously a response. That's if a, a mother is attentive to the cries of their child. But attunement goes deeper than that. 
there are parts of our um, you know neurobiology where we actually see the face of an individual or we see like the child's you know body language and we uh, like an attuned mother is responding to the child's nonverbal cues before that child ever starts to vocalize and that's kind of the difference between attunement and attentiveness and i think both are great um, but i think sometimes we think attentiveness is um, enough and i want to just say that attunement to your life with jesus is actually more akin to what i think we can be like aspiring to enter into in this relationship with the lord in the place of prayer where we can be attuned to what he is um yeah saying to us we can be attuned to what he is showing us we can be attuned to the season that god has for us we can be attuned to things and i think his grace gives us the ability as we grow more and more attuned to him gives us the ability to not only see what's right in front of us in the way of our circumstances but his grace gives us eyes to look beyond into the the realm of what i guess you could say the unseen uh realm so that's where you know scripture tells us to um fix our eyes on things that are not seen or eternal and not the temporal things of you know the world that we see right in front of our faces and uh, and so with that i want to just remind us that jesus actually really encourages us to pray he does that all throughout his teachings and he helps us understand how to do that so that we can be more attuned to him uh, one of the passages in in matthew 6 verse 6 jesus is saying don't be like hypocrites or religious types who will pray out in public so that they can kind of make a show. So what they're actually doing at that point is they're, they're more attuned to the people in their sphere than they are to the Lord. Jesus says, instead of doing that, because that's going to be their reward, like people are going to pay attention to them. That's their reward, period. He's saying in Matthew 6, go into your room. I think I grew up hearing that described as your prayer closet, right? So go into this secret place and meet with the Lord there. And what the Lord will do then is he'll reward you in in doing that a, a different way. Your reward is not going to be just the acknowledgement and the, um, yeah, just the public sort of like display and what that gives to you socially, the the reward is actually what we were describing earlier about a heightened attunement and relationship with the Lord. So I want to push this out a little bit. The, the word for room in that Matthew 6, 6 passage is an inner chamber. And I want to kind of draw our imaginations to the bigger story here a little bit. I want to just point us to the fact that Moses was given blueprints on how to create a tabernacle. And that tabernacle was very specifically laid out by God to Moses, and he built that tabernacle. And that tabernacle moved with the people of God wherever they went, and they built the tabernacle. And that was the dwelling place of God. And so we know that there was the outer court, 
that there was the holy place and then there was the holy of holies or the inner chamber. All right. So when you think about Jesus encouraging us to go into a place of prayer in the secret place, in the inner chamber, uh, this can help us kind of like use uh, the scripture to get a bigger sense about what that really means for us. It's not just go into your prayer closet. It's not just go hide in a room somewhere. Although I, I don't, you know, discredit the value of going into a secret place and finding times of solitude and silence. I actually think that's really great, but it's more than that. All right. Much like the tabernacle and even the temple, there was that outer court, the holy place, and then the holy of holies. And so the Ark of the Covenant dwelt in the holy of holies. And that's where um, the presence of the Lord, the presence of the Lord is in that place of the, the, the inner chamber. And so um, here we go. We're going to connect some dots. I'm actually going to do uh, a few minutes here. I'm just going to give you a brain dump. Okay, I've got some notes here. I love to riff. You know, I love to just kind of like let it flow. But I will be drawing from some notes here because I want us to connect some dots that are really important in this encouragement to grow more attuned to the presence of the Lord in our life in the place of prayer because that is highly effective. That type of prayer changes things. That's the type of prayer that actually not only changes the atmosphere of where you live and the city that you live in, uh, but it brings the reality of the kingdom of God and its miraculous interaction with human beings to bear. It's just like that's the intersection, that's the threshold, the place of prayer from this intimate, deep place of prayer that we can find in the inner chamber. All right. So we know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God with us, right? And so as we talked about last month, Christ in you is your hope of glory. So you have this treasure in jars of clay. We have the Holy Spirit taking up residence and your body is a temple. Your Actually, your body is a tabernacle. And we'll get into that here in just a second. Um, and so when we think about the presence of the Lord being in the inner chamber and we're meeting with God in the inner chamber, we're actually, we don't have to go very far, right? Um, yeah, it's always great to have like sacred spaces. It's good to have church buildings. It's good to have a beautiful place that you love to hike to next to a river or a big view and meet with the Lord there. It's good to have your special chair that you meet with the Lord in uh, in your mornings. All of those are great. But at at the heart of it, no pun intended, is the inner chamber. All right. And it's the place that we've been talking about over this last month. And that is your hope of glory, the glory of God being on display through your life. Um, I love Revelation 21. I love what it says here in verse three. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. So we understand that the tabernacle as defined here um, is very much like the tabernacle that Moses was instructed to create and that was a type and shadow of what's going on in your life so we meet with the Lord in the Holy of Holies and this is why it's so important to note 
that at the crucifixion of Jesus, the veil was torn in the temple and there was no more separation between, you know, our access to the presence of the Lord. And it was, it was both. It was like, not only did we have an invitation to go into the Holy of Holies, into the inner chamber uh, with God, we have full access to the throne of God because of what Christ has done for us. But on the flip side, the presence of God had full access into our hearts, into our lives. And so I love that it's just noteworthy because uh, some would consider that the holiness of God is too profound, too holy to interact with their broken, impure state as a human being. And we just, we absolutely draw from the gift of salvation, not only the gift of salvation, but also the gift of access, all right, that Christ has provided for us. And we'll talk a little bit more about that here in just a second. But you understand that this tabernacle is defined as a temporary dwelling, a tent, as it were. The tabernacle was a tent. And so let me connect us with the reality of our own human condition when it comes to the presence and the holiness of God taking up residence within us. I'm going to draw from 2 Corinthians uh, chapters 4 and 5. So 2 Corinthians 5, it's starting in verse 1. We know that even when this earthly tent, speaking of our bodies, that we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. Verse 2 here, we grow weary in these present bodies and we long to put on our earthly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies so that we will not be spirits without bodies. It's really important. We will not be spirits without bodies. So um, yeah, I'll get more into that here in just a second. You are a spiritual being. Uh, God himself has prepared us for this as a guarantee he has given us his Holy Spirit. So our human spirit united with the Holy Spirit has created something new in us. This is our life with Christ. And we, we have now this tent that that presence of the Holy Spirit united with our spirit has taken up residence. This is our inner chamber with the Lord, but it is temporary. And verse six here. So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord, for we live by believing and not by seeing. You know, one of the things that Brian Fenimore shared with us about that parable um, was in, in the place of prayer, the persistence had to do with the fact that when we see beyond what is right in front of us, when we have eyes to see as the Lord sees, and we only gain that through attuning to what the Lord is saying, what the Lord is showing, what the Lord is, you know, um, revealing to us, then we have eyes to see. And we don't live by sight alone, but through faith. So um, so there it is in Second uh, Corinthians 5. Let's pair that with Second Corinthians 4. 
we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. This is 2 Corinthians 4.16. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, and they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Christ in you is your hope of glory. And there is a glory that's being like produced in us actually through the the cauldron, as it were, of troubles. As we enter into uh, difficult assignments from the Lord, difficult places of engagement, relationships, um, business challenges, family, um, physical challenges, just the fact that we live in this world and we have these temporary tents, we have to draw encouragement from this. Our spirits are being renewed daily and there is a glory that is being produced in us even in the face of these troubles and that glory will vastly outweigh all of our troubles and they will last forever, all right? And so we don't look at the troubles when that we can see right now. It's saying this in Second uh, Corinthians four eighteen. We don't simply look at the troubles that we can see right now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things that we cannot see will last forever. Meeting with the Lord in our tabernacle, in our inner chamber. It's not actually the closet, right? But it's actually the place of his indwelling. When we meet with the Lord there, uh, we can grow attuned to what is unseen. We can actually have eyes to see. And it really builds our faith. It really strengthens us spiritually. And it draws such a new perspective for us. Let me just kind of close it out with this. You know, one of the things that the Jewish tradition holds, and not only the Jews, but also the Samaritans did this as well. They would have a prayer shawl. And it's a type and a shadow of uh, the tabernacle. In fact, I have one right here. So this prayer shawl is um, known as a talit. Okay. So the talit is actually a, a covering. And it's just really beautiful, long uh, covering here that's a prayer shawl and it's actually a type and shadow of the tabernacle and they would put it over their heads and um, when they prayed and that's a great reminder that the the word there talit actually means little tent uh, the hebrew word for tent is tal and then the adverb lit is um, it means little or small so the actual word talit here is to be covered now this symbolizes our being covered not only by the Lord's presence, but what does it say that uh, we have been clothed in righteousness? There's so much about being clothed, even in, in that verse that I just read, that we want a new covering, that we have been given a new covering. And this all draws from Psalm 91. Let me read this for us. Verse 1 here, it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High... Let's pause there and think about what that means. 
in light of what I've just been sharing. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, he who comes into that circle of prayer, into the inner chamber to meet with the Lord, he shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. And then in verse 4, he shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. Now, as I kind of wrap this up, let's remember the reading that I just shared with you out of Acts 8. It talks of Philip being led. First of all, he heard the angel of the Lord say to him, at noon, I want you to go to that desolate road that leads out from Jerusalem to Gaza. I want you to go there. And so Philip went there. He didn't get any other instructions. He didn't know exactly why he was going there per se, but he went there. And then when he saw the eunuch, the spirit told him, go to that chariot, go onto that chariot. And then we hear the story as it unfolds for us. This would be known as like a Kairos moment, wouldn't it? I mean, this is a divine appointment. Now we know the word Kairos here. It, it's about the right time. It's about a season, but really it's about an opportunity. It's about the Lord's plans being fulfilled through our lives. When we recognize and walk in step with the Holy Spirit, in that Kairos moment, the word Kairos in the New Testament, it's shared, uh, I think it's about 86 times, where there's a reference to a timeliness, an opportunity, the Lord's like design and his appointments uh, being realized in people's lives. Let me just pause and just reflect on something here for a second. Philip was very attuned. We can't imagine that Philip was just bumping along through his day and all of a sudden there was like this booming voice or maybe this big vision. Like sometimes we have this sense about the people that are described in scripture, but I have to just I have to just recognize that Philip was a man who had accessed the inner chamber of his own life with God. I can just imagine that Philip spent time with the Lord that Philip was a man of prayer. And in his place of prayer, he had encounters that not only like encouraged his heart and strengthened him and gave him perspective and gave him things to look beyond. Like, for example, you know, when, when this was all happening in Acts 8, there was a great persecution that was happening in Jerusalem. And so here you have Philip, you know, he's a man that has been persecuted. He's being pursued by Saul, who is rounding up Christians and killing them or torturing them in some way. It's like, okay, so those are the troubles that Philip was encountering in his day-to-day, and yet he had an attunement to the presence of the Lord that gave him specific direction. Go to that desolate road that leaves out of Jerusalem to Gaza at noon, And then when he gets there, the spirit is speaking to him in real time as events are occurring. And he's saying, go up onto that chariot. And we love the story about how the unit came uh, to faith in Jesus Christ, was baptized, and not to mention 
the fact that after they came up out of the water, the spirit took Philip. I mean, so there's so much that's going on in this story that has to do with this attunement and also a surrender into the things that God is showing Philip. And so these Kairos opportunities, they intersect with our lives. Our our day-to-day life, that can be known as our Kronos time frame. And the Kairos time frame intersects with our Kronos. Kronos is like actually, you know, um, the the weeks and the years and the time that we have on this earth. And these opportunities intersect as we're attuned to what the Spirit is saying. So this grows in us. This is something that we can mature in. We can make a point of wanting to grow more attuned to what's going on, not only in the inner dwelling that we have with the Lord in the place of prayer, but um, as as we were encouraged last week, you know, this interactive encounter with the presence of the Lord, it changes everything. All right. So I will leave you with that. And then I will come back with a few prompts. Thank you. It's our joy to offer these podcasts. We sure hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, any prayer requests, feel free to drop us a line at Fellowship at iCloud.com. If you're curious about ways you can be more deeply involved in this community, visit our website at EmmausFellowship.org and be sure to like our Facebook page.